Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, April 23rd, 2023. Today's sermon will be on the march through the wilderness and pictures of the gospel. Part 1, May. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Moving away from Hebrews 11, although we are still coming out of Hebrews 11 with faith and uh, with Moses, but we're going to be back in, in the wilderness again today. But if you want to turn to a passage, I am going to read out of Exodus 16, verses 1 to 7 um, at the beginning. So uh, you can go ahead and turn there if you'd like. And while you're turning there, let's go ahead and uh, take a moment and just ask the Lord to, to help us and give us grace as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again, Father, because your mercy is more than our sins. Father, our, our sins, if left to ourselves, would pile all the way to eternity. But yet, um, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, even we, when we were the enemies, your enemies and the enemies of Christ, even when we were a part of this evil world, Father, you sent your Son to be our propitiation, to take away your wrath, and to not only that, but to be our sacrifice, to take away our sins. So, Father, your mercy in Christ is more. And we come as great sinners. And we pray that today, as we Consider the picture of the manna that you rained down from heaven for your people in the desert. Pray that we would see the beauties of Christ. I pray that he would be more beautiful to us. Pray that he would increase, that we would decrease, Father. And as always as I pray, um, we are great sinners. I am a great sinner. I pray that I would not be seen. I pray that in spite of me, you would work. And I pray that you would be seen, and the glories of Christ would be proclaimed. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, and I'll go ahead and tell you, the next couple weeks um, after today, we are, we've moved from the deliverance. Let's see if I can remember. Uh, what, how, what was their state, the state of those Hebrews back in Egypt, and how God delivered them, and how God used Moses and how God sent Moses, who, is, who was their deliverer, and, and how Moses pictures Christ. And then the, you know, the, just the great deliverance. And then after, they, they go to the Red Sea, and they're delivered through the Red Sea. For the next 40 years, they're going to be in the desert. So, we're going to have 40 sermons for each year. <laughs> no, we're going to take three sermons just to cover some, some things that I think are important for us that will picture the gospel of Christ in the desert. And today we will consider one of the greatest and most beautiful pictures of the gospel of Christ, and that is God's provision of the manna in the desert, the, the bread-like substance, as the Bible tells us. Um, and so this is the, the, the Hebrews called it manna, and, uh, and we will know that we will see this is bread from heaven. Let me read the story from Exodus 16. I'm going to read verses 1 to 7 and 7 halfway through verse 7. 
So they set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. That's, that's a place, S-I-N, okay? The wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. So the modern-day Saudi Arabia, just there to the east, to the east of Egypt. And so on the 15th day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses. So they were complaining. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron, his brother, in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full for you have brought us out into this wilderness, this desert, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they daily gather. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And then he goes on after that to talk about their grumbling so we're not going to talk as much about that today. But before beginning with our truths this morning, let me say that as New Covenant Christians, we have the fullness of God's revelation in the Bible. And we look back, as we could say, back on the miracle of this, this miracle of the manna with, with clarity. Because if we come to the New Testament in John chapter 6, very long, long chapter in John. The religious leaders, they come to Jesus and they say, they, they refer back to the, their time in Egypt, time, excuse me, time in the desert. They say to Jesus, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. What an opportunity. What a picture. And so Jesus then says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven. But my father, he changes it to present tense, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Because they say they realize he's talking about something spiritual here not the bread from the desert. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So the manna given to the Hebrews in the desert was given by God, and it, was, and it came from heaven, but it was only an earthly food. Like as we're going to go out to Lord willing, to grab something to eat afterwards, either at home or out. We're going to eat physical food and it did come down from heaven but it was physical food <clears throat> and
And though, but the, when we come to the New Testament, Jesus says, I am the bread. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood, I will give to them eternal life. And so Jesus is giving them a picture. Even the picture is we'll take the Lord's Supper next week as well. For those who eat, and that is a picture of those who have faith in Jesus, believe in Him, will never perish. So with that introduction in mind, I have five truths this morning that will help us see the beauty of Christ. And they're, they're not very long, but there are some applications in between. I actually had more, but I narrowed it down to five. So here we go. Number one, the manna came <clears throat> and at that time in the Old Testament to the, to, to the Hebrews because of an urgent need. I think this is somewhat obvious because they had just left all of their homes. I mean, I can't, we, can't, we can't imagine everything that went on as they left all of their homes in the land of Goshen, which were, was the best land in Egypt, they left all that behind. Their homes, their lands, and they'd been there for 400 years, 10 generations. And then, as God led them out through the Red Sea, out into the wilderness there, into the desert, He did not lead them to cities yet or to places with new homes. Instead, He led them into the desert, a place called the wilderness of sin. And yes, when you think about what they took from Egypt... Israel, excuse me, Egypt had given them their wealth. And yes, they had lots of livestock to eat as well as to use for sacrifices. And yes, they carried with them probably whatever provisions they could carry with them. But they were not prepared for the desert with no homes and the lack of food compared to what they had in Egypt. Even when they were in slavery, they had food. They had good food, according to what the scripture tells us. And, and so there, when they came to that point, it was a time of urgent need for them as far as provision for, for food. In verse 3, they said to Moses, I wish we would have died by the hand of the Lord back in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. And so in response to this urgent need, God provides. He gives them manna. He begins to rain down on that morning, that next day, manna from heaven. A beautiful, beautiful picture we have. Because such is the case with the world as God gives His Son to the world. For God so loved the world. And what kind of world is this world. It is a world of sin. It is the world that, in John's context, it is, a, it is an evil world. And he gave his only begotten son to this world. John 3, 17. Right after that, Jesus tells Nicodemus that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be what? Saved through him. So since the fall of Adam... This world and its inhabitants have been under the curse of, of death. Physical death, spiritual death, separation from God. And we are not merely, today, when we consider sin in this world, we are not merely in the wilderness of just 
physical sin. We are separated from God. We are not merely in the earthly wilderness of the physical place called, in their time, S-I-N. We are literally in the world of sin. We are, we are in the wilderness of sin itself, and there is no escape in and of ourselves from this wilderness. And in and of ourselves and in this evil world, there is no resource that we can provide that can and will deliver us from certain death except the manna that God will provide. And the manna, manna is the bread from heaven who is the Lord Jesus Christ. So such is the case with every sinner that comes to Christ. Every one of us, if you are a Christian today and Christ has covered your sins, listen to these words. Ephesians 2 verse 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and by, <coughs> excuse me, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest or all of mankind. But God, just was good to sing that song just now, but God, being rich in mercy because of our great need, because of the great love with which He loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. So that's truth number one. The manna came because of an urgent need. And such is the gospel of Christ that comes down to us. Number two, the manna was a gift. And it just follows, number one. But the Hebrews, in the desert, they now found themselves in the wilderness. And though they had, as, we've, as I mentioned, they had some provisions... There was not enough, at least in that circumstance, to sustain them long term. Now, we are not sure if they brought seed to sow. I probably imagine they brought seed to sow. Um, maybe not enough for the entire population, but they probably brought these things. But if, even if they did have seed to sow out in the desert, <clears throat> you know, there wouldn't have been any fruit for quite some time, even if they were to find a, a good place to sow their seed. We just don't know. And up until now, they had yet to conquer any cities, had yet to conquer anybody's provisions. And so there was no, none of that going on. So there was no provision coming that way. So the people cry out to Moses and to God. But when they are crying out, I think we get the indication from the, these passages here in Exodus that their crying out was not in desperation so much in, in God's help, but it was mostly in complaining which is often what the world will do when they get into trouble. They tend, their prayers are really complaints as to why God might treat them this way or why God might allow them to get into this mess. And so I think that's what they were doing, really, because Moses makes that clear. You're complaining against God. They say, you've brought us out, God, to kill us in the desert. And then they actually wish that they, they had died in Egypt. And they wanted to go back. And so then God says to them, okay, Moses, I'm about to rain down bread from heaven. And so if we think about their complaining, frankly, if the Hebrews are to get what they deserve, God would let them die in the desert, right? 
Or he would send them back to Egypt and let them be slaves again if they were to get what they deserved. But instead, but instead, same from the truth number one, but God sends the most beautiful gift from heaven. This gift sustains them for all of their time until they go into the prom, right before they go into the promised land. And this great gift of manna is undeserved. And that's what a gift is. You, children, you don't say to your parents, uh, after you've given me the gift on, you know, for my birthday or for Christmas or whatever, now I'm going to go work a little bit because you've given me a gift. No, a gift is a, is a gift. And so the manna that God sent down from heaven was a gift. I think of John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Jesus goes through Samaria. They're the enemies of Israel. They're the ones that, that the northern kingdom, they married in years past with, with foreigners. And so those true Hebrews down in the south, they hated the, the Samaritans. So Jesus went there with his disciples on a trip, and he went through this place. And there he went to a well in the middle of the day. It was hot. Nobody came to the well in the middle of the day, but Jesus knew there would be a woman at that well that day. And this woman... She was, was she the, the, the beloved woman of the town? No, she was not. She was a prostitute, had been married five times, and she was with another man who was not her husband. Great in their eyes, and in the, in the eyes of God, a great sinner. And there he is. And there he says to her, If you knew the gift of God, speaking of the, the well as they had gone there to draw water, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. In other words, if you, would have, if you just knew who I was, lady, woman, I, if you knew who I was, then you would ask me. And I would not just give you this water. I would give you living water that will come over and keep going into eternal life. And he calls it a gift. And so, as we think about the gospel... Brothers and sisters, this is exactly what we get with the Son of God as He sends the Son for us. The Son is God's gift, and this gift is not deserved. We, we never get, as sinners, we never get exactly what we deserve in and of ourselves. God's grace in sending the Son is, is, is so, so great. I think of Paul's words in Romans 5. Verses 6 to 11. He says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die, but, but God shows His love for us in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, how much more now that we are reconciled shall be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So today... The Son of God is, is, is His gift 
to you. It's his gift to the world. And if you are a Christian today, even the salvation that you have, it is a gift of God. And that's what one of the things the manna pictures. It was a gift to them. Number three, though, let's move on. The manna came in abundance. There was a lot of it. When the Israelites woke every morning, and I can't imagine for day after day after day after day after day for, you know, close to, to 40 years there. I can't imagine manna, you know, every day. Plus, we haven't even talking about the, the, the meat that he sends, the quail as well that he sends. But we know that it was in abundance. We read in Numbers 11 that there was, there was, there was so much manna that they, they gathered it. I imagine they boiled it. They fried it. They made cakes out of it. They put it on sticks. Who knows what they did with it. They had plenty of it. Lots to go around. Well, such is the gospel of Christ. Listen to these words from Colossians 1. When we think about the fullness of the Son, fullness of God. Colossians 1.15, He is the image of the invisible God. Firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created, in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things are held together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might have preeminence. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So in the manna, it was abundant. God gave everything they needed. Well, in the incarnation, which is incarnation taking on flesh, in the incarnation of Christ, God has held nothing back. Can't imagine that. When I just passing by, walking and seeing our Jehovah's Witness friends and and then just this this week running into four Mormon young men on their bicycles and then coming to a restaurant where I was and I think about them especially the Mormons and they believe that Jesus was a created the first created being an angel and yes they they believe he was sinless Kristen and I had this conversation this week they they do believe that he was sinless and he was a sacrifice but they still believe he, he, he is merely a created being. This means, in my estimation, they cannot believe that all the fullness of God dwells in a first created being. In the same way that he is God. This means that their gospel that they preach is not big enough. It is not abundant it is a limited gospel and a limited gospel is not an abundant gospel Jesus says if you've seen me you've seen the father so brothers and sisters this morning the Bible says that all our blessings all of your blessings everything no matter what it is whatever you see is a blessing today whether it's physical whether it's spiritual whether it's emotional, whatever good thing has come down to you today, it's come down through the fullness of Christ, from the Father to the Son to us. <clears throat> the Bible says that all of our blessings come 
down through the Son. And we must realize that. In John 6, as I've already read just a little bit from, but in John 6, when Jesus speaks of himself as the bread from heaven, here's what he says. He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And then a few verses later, he says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. And what does this bread that comes down do? It gives what? Life. Do you think the first created being, the, the, the greatest angel, can give life? No, only God can give life. And here the text says, life comes from who? From the Son. So here Jesus makes himself equal to God when he says that the Son will give life to the world. It's not as a, a lightning bolt then hits the Son saying, how dare you blaspheme by saying that you can give life. No, God says, this is my beloved Son in the transfiguration. Listen to him. For only God can give life and he says the Son gives life. So today, as Christians, if you are a Christian today, I don't presume everyone here is a Christian, but if you are a Christian today, in Christ you have abundant life. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are alive. We are alive. The Bible teaches that life comes from the Father, from the Son, and, and also from the Holy Spirit in abundance. Let me give one application very quickly from this. It is the fact that in Christ, if you are a Christian today, you have everything you need for life and godliness. That means you are alive in Christ and you are seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. God has no, he no longer is standing there as the judge saying you are guilty because he has already judged his son in your place. So your standing is there in heaven. And God says, therefore, now, if you are a Christian, there is no condemnation. For you, your sins are forgiven. But also, it's not just a standing. He's given you everything you need to live in godliness in this world. Second Peter, we were there in Sunday school, not this week, but a couple few weeks ago. Second Peter 1, verse 3, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Let's move on to truth number four. The manna was it within the reach of all. God did not send the manna far away from the camp, so they had to walk, 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 walk very far to get the manna. It fell just outside the camp, okay? It didn't fall right on them in God's providence and in his grace. He put it outside so they could go and gather it very close. Everyone had access. There was no excuse for not taking the steps and going outside the camp and gathering the manna that, they, that you and your family needed for the day. In the Old Testament, the revelation of God. Now, when we think about this, the, when we think about the Old Testament, the revelation of God stayed primarily with whom? Israel. Okay, God speaks through Israel. And yes, there were times, read the Old Testament, where God sent his prophets to the nations a couple different times, particularly the one that comes to mind is Jonah. So he sends them out to, sends Jonah out to Nineveh. But you don't see that happening 
very often. Oh, it's a big deal with Jonah and the Ninevites. But when we get to the New Testament and we get to Jesus and we come to the gospel, let me ask, what is the change here? Where does the gospel now go immediately? Which, by the way, Jesus traveled into these Gentile places with his disciples and then the the, 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 the missionaries, the, the apostles that were sent out and the dispersion there in the first century, they went to the nations. And so Jesus says, as you go, make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. But then we keep reading Matthew 28. How far do we go? We go to Salisbury, right? No, we go to Charlotte. No, we go to the entire United States. Yes, but how far do we go? We go to the ends of the earth. That's what we do. And this is, this, is one, this is one of the great mysteries of the gospel as it has no boundaries in this, gar, in this regard. It goes to all the nations, all the peoples of the world, and there is no discrimination. I think, you know, this is why, you know, Ultimately, our family spent some time in Central Asia before we came to Grace. This is why we're getting ready to send some of our own out. And this is why we've sent others out to other parts of the world. Because the gospel is going to the nations. Because the Bible says today is still the day of salvation. Until the final coming of Christ, we will continue to do this and to send those who are called to go out. And so, one, one quick application, very quick. Especially to us, whom the gospel comes week after week, and those in our families that we speak to, the gospel week after week, just as the manna was there right outside the camp, there was no excuse for no one to go right out and grab it, especially those who listen to my preaching and the preaching of the elders and the, the preaching here at Grace, to reject the gospel of Christ, week after week after week after week. There is no excuse. This gospel has been made clear. And such is the case in the entire world. And so there will be no excuse for those who reject the gospel. Let's move on to truth number five. This is the, this is the last one. A little bit more on application to finish up. The last thing that I have is when we think about the manna coming down from heaven, it came daily. Now, it didn't come on the seventh day. It came, you know, six days. And on the sixth day, they were to gather up double, and then, and then they would have enough for the seventh day. But God sent it on a daily basis. So the Israelites were, were supposed to take just enough that they were to need for that day. And if they hoarded it, and they took more, then what happened to it? It would spoil, and they couldn't eat it. And so this was the command of God. Just take enough for your day, and I will provide. And each day would bring the appointed provision of manna. And so I think such is the same with us and the gospel the gospel of Christ. In Christ, God gives what we need every day. 
Let me try to just talk through this for a few minutes as we try to close out here in a minute. So when we think about what we can learn about taking the provision of the gospel every day, and God gives what we need every day, do you remember the Lord's Prayer? Matthew 6. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray, because they saw him pray often. And Jesus was glad to do that. And he tells them, and we know the Lord's Prayer, but right in the middle, we find the words, he, he commands them and us to pray, Give us, what? This day, our what? Daily bread. Boy, I imagine they thought about the, the manna coming down daily. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. So let me ask, just first off, before I continue just talking about this for a minute, do you, do you pray this prayer, this kind of prayer, every day? I'm going to ask you again in a minute. But as we've seen, in Christ, we have everything we need for life and godliness. And if you are in Christ, again, your position, your standing, your relationship with the Father is established upon the principles of righteousness, which the righteousness of Christ. But we are still, as Christians, I'm, I'm speaking to Christians now, we are I'm not speaking to non-Christians. But we are still to daily ask for the Lord's bread in our lives. Now, in my years here, in our years here at Grace, I, I, I've yet, to, I've yet to, be, to be called, maybe I, I should have, but at least with our congregation, I, I haven't seen anyone starve. And I'm not saying that lightly or funny, that's not a joke. But we haven't had that issue, at least with our, our folks, some are more wealthy than others, but even the poorest that we have amongst us are not starving, or even, I don't even think, coming close to, to starving to death. Um, and so, uh, when we think about physical bread, you know, and we say, give us this day our daily bread, now, at least we're not really asking, well, we are asking for God to keep providing. I get that. But it's not as if we're in a state in the desert where we, we may have a chance of running out of food or running out of food, and we're saying, God, give, us, give it to us, okay? But we are asking that God would give us our daily bread. And we are a very thankful people. And there may come a time, who knows, it could be tomorrow. We don't know what our situation will be when we will have food or not have food. Paul says, I've, I've learned to be content in whatever situation, right? To have or not to have. And we, we don't know. And we are always to ask, God, give us our daily bread. And we don't know how our situation will change. But this statement here in Matthew 6 about praying this prayer goes much deeper than just physical bread. It does mean all physical needs. But it goes further as God provides so much more than what we need physically. So let me just... Think about some things that, that we might ask for. Do you need bread? Well, let's start with that. Well, then ask him. Do you need a job? Well, ask him. Do you need healing in some way? Well, we'll ask him. We can think about all kinds of situations. Do you need patience? Does anybody need patience? Ask him for patience. Do you need relief from your anxiety? 
or from your depression? Ask him. Do you need more accountability in your life as you find that when you're alone, you, you tend to sin more than when you're not alone? Ask God to give you more accountability. Do you, do you need to be more bold in your witness when you, I mean, I, I, I can speak to, to our high school students here and our, and our younger ones who are going to school, which is a, you're thrown into it every day. Do you need to be more bold in your witness or in your workplace or for myself when I try to go out and go to coffee shops or whatever? Do we need boldness? Well, we should ask for it. Well, I mean, so many things, husbands and wives, children. Do you need more love for your wife or wives for your husbands or for your grandchildren or children to your parents? Well, ask. We can ask for such things. Do you need more love for your neighbor who you really don't like very much at all because of what he or she has done? Well, you can ask for it. Do you want to understand the Bible more? Well, ask for it. God will give. And I find myself personally in these days asking more and more that God would give, my, give me deeper affections because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we should pray and ask, God, change my heart. So this is just an, these are some examples when you pray. And that's why I go back to do your daily ask for the Lord's bread because all these blessings come down to you in Christ, but we must ask for them. Our Father knows how to answer our prayers. But we miss so much if we do not ask. And I believe that. I do. It's not that I think we are in danger of losing our salvation if we're not so consistent on this, but how much we miss. I think of the old hymn. I don't know if we, we've, we, I guess we've sung it. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. I don't really want to forfeit peace. But oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. All the blessings of God come to us now because of the person and work of Christ. We know that. And in the Old Testament, they had to go through the priests daily. But now in the New Covenant, we are called a kingdom, kingdom of priests. So we have direct access to the Father through the Son. And so that's one application. Are you asking daily bread and what it means and how much deeper that goes on a daily basis. One final application. Each day in the story that we have with Israel, the manna came. And each day it was sufficient for that day. So think about that, sufficient for that day. The manna, the bread from heaven, sufficient for that day. So in the same way, each day brings the grace of God in Christ, which is sufficient for the day. So each day, 
follows piggybacks upon our application a moment ago. We must pray for grace. For which day? For tomorrow? For the next day? Well, we can pray for those, but we pray today. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. His mercies, we go to the Old Testament, His mercies are new every morning. Is that right? Well, I think they go together. This means we, as Christians, must rely upon new grace, in a manner of speaking, every single day. This means that, I'm just going to try to apply this, we cannot lay up, go and store up houses of the grace of Christ that we think will be good for our future and then skip a day, skip a day, skip a day, skip a week and then think that we've laid up enough grace in the past to make us sufficient for the day. Um, I, I think, let me, let me just say that one more time. This means we cannot lay up grace that we might think is sufficient for the future as if we can do away with the necessity of constantly going to the treasury of Christ. Now, you might think, well, what does that look like? Well, I, there's probably lots of illustrations I could bring out from my own life. But when I think about just as, as most of us, most of us went to Baptist churches. I think about many of our Baptist friends who, who just basically have some kind of emotional experience. and They, they walk the aisle or they raise the hand. Then there is a, a baptism that follows. And then you look at their life over the years and there's really no change. And there's no consistent gathering together with God's people. If you were to go into their homes, you would see, you might be surprised that they act in such a way as those who profess and name the name of Christ. And, you know, maybe years later, you go and you visit them and they go, oh, I walked an aisle. Or, oh, I was baptized. How can you say to me, brother, that I am not a Christian? And so years later, there's been really no change, no growth in godliness, which is sanctification, which is what the Holy Spirit does, as if they can store up some experience. I did that. I was baptized at 12, 11, and then everyone would say to me in college as I was partying and doing everything under the sun except being with God's people, except loving His Word, except loving His people, everything unrighteous under the sun, and I was still saying, I'm a Christian. As if I could store up something that happened in the past that will be sufficient for the future. I think, as I look back to my life, I'm just grateful that my conscience was not seared. 1 Timothy 4, Paul says there are those whose conscience is seared because maybe there's never been conversion in the first place. There's never been grace in the first place to even store up. And so I hope that is not the case here. I hope that, that no one who hears this, these words and says, I'm a Christian, has a seared conscience. But my point is that we cannot, I'm moving off of that application now, we cannot store him up 
But as we go to him daily, his treasure chest is full. Can you imagine going as a, to the dentist as a seven-year-old, and after you get your teeth cleaned, they open up the treasure chest, and there's everything under the sun in there, and they say, take everything you want. And then they bring another chest. Take everything you want. Now, we've got more in the back. Take everything you want. Can you imagine? Well, that's what we have in Christ every day. We don't store it up, but we go to Him every day. Everything we need for life and godliness, we can find in Christ. His treasure chest is full of new blessings. I, can, I, I think of Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So brothers and sisters, today this is the key to every blessing, every work of God in your life and mine. It comes down to us through Christ. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So my challenge and my exhortation, my hope is that if you are a Christian, that tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday, as many days as God gives, that you will say, Lord, this day, give me my daily bread in Christ. All the blessings of God pictured in the manna, just in summary, and then we will close. Here they are again. Christ meets our most urgent need as he saved us from our sins. Two, Christ is God's gift, free gift to us. Three, in Christ we have abundant life. Four, Christ is given for the entire world, not just the Jews. And then the last truth here, in Christ God gives grace Grace sufficient for every day. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words again. And Father, if you will give next week, we, we look forward to considering the rock, the water, excuse me, that comes from the rock. And the rock is Christ. Um, even as we, we will take the Lord's Supper, I pray that, that you would Prepare our hearts. Actually, I'm not sure if it's the Lord's Supper week or not. But prepare our hearts to receive Christ. Help us this day. Help us in all that we do. May we take these things to heart that I have preached, that we have heard. I pray that Jesus would be lifted up. May he be more beautiful. If someone is not a Christian, I pray today they would seek out the Lord Jesus and turn unto him and be saved. Father, we give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.